Welcome to the sermon series from Life Church Green Bay. It's our mission to bring the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We're so glad you're here. If this is your first time joining us, we want to do life with you. While you're listening, fill out our hello card on our website so we can connect with you. Visit lifechurchgreenbay.com forward slash hello to fill it up. Make sure to check the I'm new here and online options while filling out the card. Again, we're so glad you're with us today. Here's this week's message. All right, good morning. Open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2, if you don't have a traditional Bible and you'd like one and you're comfortable in doing so, just raise your hand. One of my friends will bring you one. You can either borrow that or you can keep it. It's our gift to you. You can also take your smart device, your phone or your tablet, open up the Bible app. It's also called the YouVersion app and all the notes and scriptures, those things have already been uploaded and we'll put them up on the screen behind us as well. If you're watching us online or at one of our other gatherings, love you guys and so glad that you guys are a part of our community. My wife, Pastor Sunny, and my daughter are in Toronto. She's speaking this weekend and my daughter, Aubrey, uh, is leading in worship. And so that was such a beautiful little gift for Sonny and a gift for me. And so uh, I love to embarrass people and center people out. So if you are a mama in here today, would you stand up on your feet right now so that we can honor you and acknowledge you? Come on. Come on, somebody. Y'all dudes better clap. You wouldn't be here if it wasn't. (laughs) Yay, mommy. Sit down. I love it. I love the word. Mommy is one of the great. Mommy and daddy are the two greatest words in the history of humanity. Just the sound of that. So happy Mama's Day, Mother's Day, Mommy's Day, whatever it is, however it is you want to classify it. So let's go a little further in the embarrassment. Uh, I have two gifts for somebody in here. If you, if you have been, I'm looking for the mom who's been the mom the longest. That's the most polite way to say it. Who, the, (laughs) The mom who has been the mom, the lo- anybody that's been a mom uh, over 25 years, raise your hand. You've been a mom over 25 years, keep your hand up. It's like we're auctioning off a 68 Corvette. If you've been a mom longer than 30 years, keep your hand up. If not, take your hand down uh, longer than 35 years. Anybody in here, keep your hand up. Anybody longer than 40? And look, for, okay, I got a 40, 40, 40, 42, 44, 44, 45. Anybody 45 years, you've been a mom longer than 45 years. How about 50 years? How about... Anybody? Did we? Hallelujah! Right here, we got to give Justin this beautiful, beautiful mama. Mama, mama, you know I love you. Okay. Oh, no. Were you longer than? Okay, we owe you one. We owe you one. Come to the (laughs) holy mackerel. We owe you two 65 years in Jesus' name. Here's the second one. Uh, I want the mama who has the most kids. This is the best. You deserve all of us to give you a gift card is all I'm saying. Anybody with more than four kids, raise your hand. Raise your hand. More than four kids. More than five. Anybody with more than five kids, raise your hand. How about more than six? How about, this lady just showing off. How about more than seven? More than, more than eight? Anybody more than eight? Anybody more than did we, is anybody got more than eight? Anybody? I can't see FYI because I've been a human longer than 48. So anybody? Okay. Both of you who have, can we owe you two? Right here. Let's have her. Like Justin, just raise. And then we owe you, we owe you one. This is poor planning. If I owe you one, then you got to go to the welcome center at the end. And uh, I just, I just love you guys. We're, if you're a mom, we love 
you today. So uh, it's one of the most thankless jobs on earth, incidentally. Uh, we're going to do baby dedications next service, which is amazing. I think we have 22 babies that we're going to dedicate, 22 new mamas. And so pray for them. If you're a mom, you know, pray for they haven't slept since that kid was born. And so to my mom who's watching, she watches every Sunday online. The reason I didn't text you is because none of those other jokers get to say it on TV, do they? And so I love you. Happy Mother's Day. I'm grateful that I'm your favorite. Save the best for last. Give a hand to my mom. And she'll go, oh. I win. Anyway, she's, she's crying. <laughs> definitely crying right now. And so I love this series that Pastor Dallas came up with because I really love the book of Philippians. It's a letter that was written by Paul to the church that he started in the city of Philippi. And even though Paul led lots and lots of churches, he really loved this church. He really loved these people. And it's how I feel about this church. And it's how I feel about you of all the churches that God allows us to lead and has allowed us to lead and take over and start. I love them all, but you have a special place in my heart. I really, really love you guys. It's so, uh, this is just, and especially Packer season is about to start. It's, it's beginning to look a lot like Packer season. <laughs> anyway, uh, isn't it so cool how God just works? Like I love that God chose for this passage to fall on this day. I, I want you to listen to this. Paul says, if you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor, agree with each other, love each other, be deep spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Think of yourselves the way Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and he took on the status of a slave. He became a human. Having become a human, he stayed a human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a sinless, obedient life, then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. And because of that obedience, God lifted him high and he honored him far beyond anyone or anything ever so that all created beings in heaven and on earth, even those long ago dead and buried, will bow and worship before him. They will call out in praise that he is the master of all to the glorious honor of God the Father. I love that God chose for this passage to fall on this day because it kind of sounds like a mom talking to her kids, doesn't it? Just, just giving her child a little perspective. Like I picture a mom on her knee with her child's chin in her hand saying, look me in the eye. I know you know what you're doing. I know you think you've got it all figured out. But let me just make a little suggestion. Could, could I just give you a little bit of perspective? And so it's with that picture in my mind and now yours that I want to share a message that we're calling, even if you think you've got it all figured out. Let's pray. God, we love you. You know, thank you for moms. Thank you for the difference that they've made in our lives. God, the impact, the, the selflessness with which they've lived their lives. God, the impact that they've put upon our hearts and in our minds. God, the imprint 
that they have left that has defined our lives. And so today, for every mama under the sound of my voice, God, I pray blessings over her. I pray peace over her. I pray that today she will feel more celebrated than she has ever felt in her life. God, today, for the rest of us in this room, we pray that this word would become life, that it would impact our hearts and impact our minds, that God, whatever it is that you want to say to us, God, you would say it to us so that when we leave here, we would be changed. We would be different. In Jesus' name, amen. How many times has one of your parents said, oh, you think you got it all figured out, don't you? (laughs) It's one of those things that I said I would never say when I became a parent. But guess what? I've said it. And most of you have said it too, especially if you have teenagers. Golly, teenagers will make you wish you could go into a coma for six or seven years. They know everything, don't they? Even if they don't, they know everything. My kids make me feel like the stupidest human that has ever been created, especially when I got my cell phone. If I have my phone around my kids, I could be trying to do anything on my phone. And my kids are like, bruh, that's my kids. That's my name that my kids have given me, bruh. What are you doing on your phone? Have you ever seen a phone before? Do you know, why are you using one finger? (laughs) Anybody who's a one finger phone? Anybody, this is what I do when I can't find something on my phone. First of all, I gotta get my phone further away now. And I do this. This is the move for me. I start moving my finger around. And what that is, is it's like the pinwheel on your computer trying to pull up a file. And this is, I'm just trying to find anything on my phone. And and when I have my phone, my kids will snatch my phone. Give me that phone. And And I'm thinking in my mind, when you're not around, I'm perfectly fine on my phone. I haven't blown a country up nothing. I haven't done anything wrong, but they make me feel like teenagers just know everything, don't they? Especially now. Like we live in the most informed culture that has ever lived. We are information rich. We are fat with it. We have access to more information than any generation has ever had. Between Google, Siri, and YouTube, there's nothing you can't know. Nothing you cannot find out. Want to know how to poach an egg? Grill the perfect steak? Change your oil? Fix the drafty window? Google it. Watch a YouTube video about it. And it's fast. It's handy. But it's created shortcuts. It's damaged the process. Like we used to have to ask questions. We used to have to ask for advice. We used to have to seek wisdom from people, not chat GPT. We used to have to call our dad or call our mom. We used to be like, dad, my car's making this sound. Dad, I can't get this faucet in my kitchen to stop leaking. Dad, how long do I leave this steak on the grill if I want it medium rare? It used to be, mom, this baby will not quit crying. Mom, I can't get her temperature to come down. Mom, how do I get him to pee in the toilet? Mom, how do I get my green beans to taste like yours because my in-laws are coming over? And somehow your dad just knew stuff. Your mom just knew stuff. And And they either learned it from their parents or they learned it the hard way. They learned it through trial and through error. But now it's like, hey, Google, 
What's it mean when my car makes this sound? Hey, Google, how do I fix a leaky faucet? Hey, Google, why won't my baby stop crying? How do I get my son to pee in the toilet? We have access to more information than we have ever had. But this information age that we're living in is causing us to skip the steps that lead to wisdom. Wisdom comes through experience. Wisdom comes through trial and error. The biggest step that this information age is causing us to skip is the relational step. There's just something to sitting under or standing alongside someone older and learning some stuff. That's why there used to be so many apprenticeships where people would just sit under somebody for a season, for a period of time, and where they would just learn. Uh, When I was a junior in high school, I ran my car out of oil. Out. Not gas. Oil. And, And my engine seized in the middle of a freeway. It was a good thing I was wearing my seatbelt because the minute that that car ran out of oil, my car just stopped in the middle in the middle of the freeway. And so we had to have the car towed from the freeway to the house. When the car was there, my dad and I, we had to go to a scrapyard and we had to find a new old engine. And once we found that new old engine, my dad, my uncle Bob and I had to pull the old engine out and we had to put the new old engine in. And that process took twice as long as it should have. Because as we went along, they told me what they were doing and they showed me how to do it. When I was a senior in high school, my brother Kevin and my cousin Dan, they started a roofing company. And that summer, they gave me a job. And I was the grunt. I was the guy that picked up the trash, all the shingles that they threw off, all the old dirty plywood. There was the guy that took the bundles of shingles and I had to carry them up the ladder. And man, listen, they could put a roof on really fast. But about halfway through the summer, they slowed down and they started teaching me what they were doing as they went along. But just as my dad and Uncle Bob slowed down on that engine and my brother Kevin and my cousin Dan slowed down on that roof, I had to slow down too. They slowed down to teach but I had to slow down to learn. I had to admit that I might not know everything, which was hard for me as a teenager and quite frankly is still hard for me to this day because I had to be and I have to be teachable. In 2001, I got a call from one of my heroes, this guy named Rich Wilkerson, and he told me that his father-in-law, Fulton Buntain, wanted to interview me to be the youth pastor at his church in Tacoma, Washington. At the time, I was a pretty successful youth pastor in Memphis, Tennessee, so I was pretty confident going into that interview. So they flew me and Pastor Sonny out, and they had me preach to their teenagers, and man, listen, Jack, I thought I'd turn that place out. The next morning, Pastor Buntain asked Pastor Sonny and I if we'd go to Sherry's Diner and sit down and have a piece of pie with him. And when we walked into that diner, I thought for sure he was going to talk about how great my message had been the night before. I thought for sure he was going to talk about how amazing our youth ministry in Memphis was. Instead, he just asked me one question. He said, Sean, are you teachable? He said, if you're teachable, you can have the job. You know, what's interesting is that it turns out he hadn't even heard the message the night before. He didn't know anything about our youth ministry in Memphis. He didn't even know we lived in Memphis. He flew us in simply because his son-in-law told him that we were good soil, that we'd be a good investment. He wasn't looking for talent. He was looking for teachability. 
Teachability will take you way farther than talent ever will because talent will top out long before teachability ever does. Teachability creates talent. It welcomes wisdom, which is why Paul loved these people in Philippi. They, they were good soil. They were a good investment. They were teachable. They welcomed wisdom. And it's one of the reasons I love you. Over the last decade, you guys have welcomed wisdom. You've taken some really, really difficult concepts, things that were really challenging, particularly in a liturgical culture and community. And you have incorporated those things into your life. And we've seen people go to other cities and other parts of town and do the same thing and spread what we call the life-giving message of Jesus to the people of the 920 and beyond. There's a level of teachability. There's a level of welcoming wisdom that is a part of your life. And so today I want to help you with that. I want to give you three ways to do that. Three ways to welcome wisdom. Here's the first. Number one is live your life in unity. Guys, we live in a divided society, don't we? There is so much division, racial division, political division, economic division. We're constantly at odds with each other and it's gotten like super ugly. I mean, it, and it feels like every single week we hear about some kind of mass killing, like someone's shooting up a school or shooting up a mall or someone's running a bunch of people over because of what they look like, where they come from, how they identify, what it is that they believe. And I loved what Pastor Lonnie said last week. He said, life is mathematical. It's addition and subtraction, multiplication and division. Satan is a subtractor. He's constantly trying to cut good things out of our lives. The devil is a divider. He's constantly trying to cause division in every relationship in our lives. Why is there so much anger in our society? Why is there so much animosity, so much angst, so much anxiety? Because the devil is a divider. But God is a God of unity. So Paul says, if you have any encouragement. I love this word. In my Bible, I circled the word any every time he said it. He said, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you have any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the spirit, any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, by having the same love, by being one in spirit and of one mind. Guys, this this. Pay attention. Two seconds. We are in this thing together. Can we just talk to each other? Can we just learn from and about each other? Can we stop judging? Can we stop making assumptions? Can we just live our lives in unity? It is one of the ways that we can welcome wisdom. Here's a second way to welcome wisdom is live your life with humility. Unity actually takes Humility. Can we acknowledge that maybe, just maybe, you don't have it all figured out? I know you're smart. I I know you are accomplished. I know you are educated and you are qualified. But every, everything, have you met somebody that you wanted to nickname Siri? Do you have that friend? Bruh. Everybody's got that friend who knows. You'll start any conversation. Or it's a guy. He's probably not your friend. He's some cat at work. 
You'll start any conversation, and if that dude is walking by, hey, let me tell you something about it. You're like, bro, just go. Just smoke outside. Stop. This is ridiculous. You're embarrassing yourself. When I was young, I was that guy. You couldn't tell me nothing. I knew everything, even if I had to lie about it. Even if I had to lay down a smoke screen, even if I had to fake it until I made it, there were so many definitives in my life, so many hills that I was willing to die on. That's why over the last decade, you've heard me say a million times, you will never hear my opinion from this stage. You, you will never hear. That's why I don't talk about current events. That's why when something happens on the news on Friday, I am not talking about it on Sunday. It's not because I don't care about it. It's because generally none of us have all of the information. And so then we formulate opinions that are predicated upon the opinions of other people. And then when we get all of the information, our opinions change, but you have already run your mouth about what it is that you determined was the truth that wasn't the truth. There is a truth that I understand, and it is the one that will set you free. Plus, opinions are like passing gas. Everybody has them. Nobody wants to hear them. And they almost always stink. I was going to say fart, but then it's mother's day. And I felt like some mom would be like, Hey, we don't use that word in this house. And then I'd, I'd be like, you're right, mom. I'm sorry. Got to be teachable. So now I had to say it. You ever do that? Like you say, I was going to say instead of saying something. Cause then it makes it feel like, Oh, well he didn't, that I didn't actually say it, but now you know that I was going to say it. So that's what opinions are like is all I'm saying. As I got older, uh, the smarter my parents became. Mark Twain talked about that. He said, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could barely stand to have that old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much that old man had learned in seven years. <laughs> you see, when you know everything, you never ask questions. When you never ask questions, you never hear other people's perspective. You never hear other people's heart. You never hear their passions, their pressures. You never feel their pain because when you do that, life's all about you. So in an effort to get ahead of that inclination, Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, watch this, value others above yourselves. Don't look at your own interests, but at the interests of each other. When is the last time you made a conversation about somebody else? When is the last time all you did was ask questions about them? You ever been around somebody that no matter what you talk about, they're talking about them? You could be sharing your heart about the biggest pain of your life, and this will be their famous words. Well, you know, like, that's, you know what I always say, or you know what I think, or when, you know, something like that happened to me. And the mid, like when somebody does that, here's what I want to do. I want to, if I'm analog, I want to reach over to them and turn the volume button down. If I'm digital, I want to look at them and put the remote out, or as my pops would call it, the clicker. Anybody call it the clicker? It's a, it's a put the clicker out. And I want to hit mute. And I want to turn subtitles off because I don't want to know what it is. Because people who just, they always make it about themselves, they just, they're, they're uh, frustrating to me. I used to be that. But it's amazing how deep your relationships can become when rather than talking about you, you inquire about them. Freud said the greatest sound in the English language is your name. 
What if you went and had a conversation with somebody today and all they wanted to talk about was you? You know what you'd want to do? You'd want to talk to them tomorrow. You'd want to talk about them the next day. And then, but what if you guys had a contest? Where all you want to do is talk, hey, let me talk about you. Let's talk about you. No, but let's not. But what about you? And you guys, act, that's what a conversation, actually, I'm not sure if you know this. That's what a conversation was designed to be. Me asking you things about you and you asking me things about me. What that does is it breaks down barriers. It acknowledges the fact that maybe, just maybe, you don't have it all figured out. Are you living in humility? It's one of the ways that we can welcome wisdom. Here's a third way to welcome wisdom is live your life in submission. <laughs> Uh-oh, danger, Will Robinson. That's not what our culture is about, is it? It, it, it goes back to my interview with Pastor Buntain where Pastor Buntain said, are you teachable? <laughs> of course I said yes. I said yes because I wanted the job, but I really wasn't teachable. I had spent my whole life thinking I was better than everyone I worked for, played for, or was taught by. I, I could always do better if I was in their position. I, I had a usur usurper spirit, a, a divisive spirit, a spirit of division. And I was always pulling people into conversations about the limitations of the people in my authority. But God is not a God of limitations. He is a God of potential. He is a God of possibilities. He is a God of promotion. And so when I decided to submit myself to Pastor Buntain's expectations and Rich Wilkerson's description of me as good soil, I began to grow. I began to prosper. I began to succeed in ways I had never succeeded before. Everything I know about ministry, I learned from Fulton Buntain because I went into it as a know-it-all. But when I met him, something about his spirit made me want to live a life of submission. Submission. It's the way of Jesus. Paul said it like this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus, who being in very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient all the way to death, even death on a cross. Before Jesus ever walked the earth in the oldest book in the scriptures, the book of Job, Job said, submit to God and you will have peace. Then things will go well for you. I wonder, do you want peace? Do you want things to go well for you? Live your life in submission, live your life with humility and live your life in unity. In a world filled with anger and animosity, angst and anxiety, welcome wisdom. If you'll do that, you too will be good soil. You too will be a good investment, even if you think you've got it all figured out. Will you do that today? I hope so, because if you will, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Would you close your eyes all across this place this morning? The wisest thing you'll ever do is admit that your life is lost without Jesus. Uh, I did that about 30 years ago. And this morning, I have this inclination uh, that there is a group of people who are in this room who the reason that they're here 
That's because you thought it was a Mother's Day gift. Uh, When you asked your mama what she wanted for Mother's Day, she said, all I want, baby, is for you to come to church with me. And so some of you came in here as a favor, but what you didn't know is the reason that you were here is because God had a divine appointment for you. Something that was done, something that was said, uh, created a stir inside of you. It, It created a butterfly inside of your stomach or a flutter inside of your heart and you didn't know what it was. The minute that they started to sing the songs, you felt this emotional thing. The minute that we started to talk about God's word, you you began to think about the things that you needed to change in your life. It's this beautiful process that the scriptures call salvation. This idea where you declare that you want Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. When we say that, what that means is Lord means ruler and Savior means rescuer. I wonder if you're here and you've tried everything else in your life just hasn't worked out because you've been the Lord and the Savior of your own life. This morning, we're gonna give the opportunity for you to change that, and here's how. The Bible says that to be saved, to enter into a relationship with Jesus, you have to do two things. You have to confess and you have to profess. Confess that you have sin in your life and profess that you believe that Jesus can change that. And so we're gonna give you the opportunity to do both of those things in just a moment, and here's how. In just a moment, with nobody looking around, I'm gonna ask for people who don't have a relationship with Jesus, but want one, to do two things. First, is to raise your hand and make eye contact with me. Once you've made eye contact with me, you can put your hand down. That'll be your act of confession. Secondly, I'm I'm gonna say a few lines in a prayer, then I'm gonna pause. When I pause, I'm gonna ask everyone in here to repeat those words after me. And if you, if you repeat the words and you mean them in your heart, the Bible says that you will be saved. So if you're here today and you say, Sean, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but I want one before I leave here with nobody looking around, would you raise your hand and make eye contact with me? Thanks, 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 thanks. 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 Okay. I'm going to ask everyone in here to say these words with me. Say, Jesus, I've got sin in my life. I don't want it. Will you take it? Will you forgive it? Will you be my Lord and my Savior? In Jesus' name, amen. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I wonder if you're here and you say, Sean, I'm saved. I'm a Jesus person, I'm a believer, uh, but I wanna welcome wisdom into my life. This happened to me 20 years ago. I did the first 15 without wisdom. And so if you're here and you say, Sean, I I wanna welcome wisdom into my life with nobody looking around. you raise your hand so I can pray for you? Yes, yes. Jesus, today we love you and we're grateful. Thank you that you are a God of peace, that your peace will surpass all understanding. Thank you that you are a giver of wisdom. And so today I pray right now for my friends in this place who have just been winging it. I pray that you'd give us patience, that you'd give us peace, that you give us persistence, that you make us people of wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Still thinking about the message? Go follow our message recap podcast. Chew on that. 
The Chew On That podcast is a podcast where Life Church staff chew over the latest messages to dig deeper into our faith. Tap the link in the episode description to have a listen. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. We'll see you next week. Thank you.